The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. This morning, as we conclude the series, Be Bold, Live Generously, I want to talk to you about the fact that even in a challenging economy, we can still live generously. No matter what things may look like on the outside, the God who lives inside of us has a different word and a different message for you and me. You know, too many times we either think we need to get all we can and then can all we get, or we simply live from day to day, hand to mouth. I've got news for you. God has a better plan. And if we'll simply buy into it and believe what he said is true, he will show us how not to be consumers, but to be contributors. He will show us how not to be afraid of our future and hoard everything we get, but how we can be a river through which his blessing flows to minister to those around us. Culture even today teaches us that we're all entitled to something. I've come this morning to tell you we're not entitled to anything. Matter of fact, if you're a born-again believer, you need to know and understand everything you have, as the video said, is a gift from God. Everything that we know and enjoy is a blessing from the Most High. Matter of fact, if we really understand Calvary, we understand we're not owed something, but rather we are debtors to God. Because he's given us everything through his son, Jesus Christ. Every source of blessing, every promise of life flows in and through him. Too many of us, though, in the church today are like the guy that when the offering passed by, he reached down in his pocket, he made sure he just just extracted a $1 bill and very freely and generously dropped it in the offering. As the bucket went past him, the guy behind him taps him on the shoulder and hands him a $100 bill. Well, he thought, well, this is great. Now I can give this guy's money too. So he called the usher back, dropped the $100 bill in the offering. And then he turned around and said to the guy behind him, thank you. That was very generous. The guy said, no problem. It fell out of your pocket. Can you imagine? Usher, come back here. Come back here. Come back here. I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Too many times that's our attitude. But we need to understand God always rewards generosity. It's not a biblical mindset for you and I to live miserly. It's a biblical mindset for you and I to live generously. And that far exceeds just our giving. Can I tell you, God is not a God of a cutback. God is not a God of recession. The Bible tells me that my God is a God of plenty, a God of sufficiency, a God with whom there is neither lack nor want. I love Psalm 37 because in Psalm 37, you can read David writing about the promises of God. It's almost as though some guy said to him, you got to be careful because there's a bad day coming and you may not have enough. So what was his response? You can read it in verse 19. In the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. He said, even when there isn't enough out there, there's enough in here because I'm not depending upon the world to bring my supply. I'm depending on the author of the universe. And he never fails and he never runs short and he never runs dry. You can go on and read it in verses 25 and 26. He said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You need to understand there is a better way to live. You don't have to walk around worrying and wondering, where is my next bill going to be paid from? If you will tune in to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you live in a place of security, understanding that you're his child. And because you're his child, he takes care of you. 
And you have no need to be miserly or afraid of tomorrow. The first church I pastored was in a little town in southern Kansas called Arkansas City. And when we went there, my youngest son, Philip, was two years old, and he and I began to establish a ritual. It was a very small church, about 30 people, most of them old. No offense intended. If you're offended by that comment, get over it. Most of them old, well over 70. Church was dying on the vine. And they had a men's group that met every Saturday morning. It was actually three old guys. They met at the Daisy May Cafe down on South Summit Street, and they had breakfast every Saturday morning. That was their men's group. They didn't talk about spiritual things. They talked about the weather. They talked about the wheat crop. They talked about the economy. So Philip and I started going, and he loved it. He loved getting up early on Saturday morning and going with Dad down to Daisy May, and he'd have eggs, and he'd have bacon. And he loved every bit of that. It became a ritual for he and I. Every Saturday, Daisy May Cafe. And one of those old guys would have a full breakfast, and then I liked him a lot because he believed every meal should be accompanied by dessert. So he had a cinnamon roll. I've been trying to sell my wife that concept for years, and she just didn't buy it. Didn't buy it. But he'd have a cinnamon roll. And when he finished his breakfast and Philip finished his breakfast, then he would take his knife, he'd cut the cinnamon roll in half, and gave half to Philip, and he ate the other half. This went on week after week for a period of months. One Sunday morning, we walk into the church, and Philip has a little bag of Cheerios, you know, like you do to keep kids quiet in church. And, and uh, old Leo was standing there, and he said to him, Hey, Philip, can I have a Cheerio? Funniest thing I'd ever seen. He starts digging in this bag, three years old at this time, digging in this bag until he found what he wanted. And when he found it, he pulled out half of a Cheerio and gave it to Leo. (laughs) See, in his three-year-old mind, he was doing a good thing. Or in his three-year-old mind, he was making sure he had enough to get him through, one or the other, I don't know which. He doesn't even remember that story, but I promise you it's absolutely true. Leads us to our text from Proverbs chapter 11. I'm reading from the message, verses 24 and 25. It's actually on your outline this morning. It says, The world of the generous get larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. What a powerful statement. Can I read that one more time to you? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So can I talk to you this morning about living generously? Because it's more than just giving, it's about how we live our lives. To live generously, number one, we need to live with an open mind. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up a heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Pretty powerful statement. If you read that from the message, I like the last phrase because it says, If you see someone who has a need and you turn a cold shoulder to their need, then this is what it says. What happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. Whoa, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
See, the Bible tells me very clearly that if I'm going to live today in the sense of being a Christian, a believer, embodying the empowerment and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, I have got to show the love of God. But if I refuse to help my brother or my sister or someone in need, and I have the ability to meet that need, then I make the love of God disappear. That's a very powerful statement. We need to take that to heart. We need to know and understand we have a responsibility to live generously. See, and it all has to do with the way we think. That may be why Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he said, Be ye not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You see, when we come in as believers, our soul, our spirit is transformed. We're born again. But God has to do a work in our mind, too. We need to change the way we think. And that comes through the anointing, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through studying and learning the Word of God. Through the discipleship process, our thinking begins to change. And that's what the Word is telling us this morning. You can read it in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. The Bible paints this picture of Jesus at the throne of God. The righteous are on the right hand, the wicked are on the left. And he says to those on his right hand, you visited me in prison. You gave me a cup of cold water. You fed me. You prayed for me. You gave me clothing when I was naked. And then they said, but when did we do these things? And what did he say? When you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. He's talking about the way we live our lives and determining to live generously. Requires a change in our mindset to do that. See, we need to understand we have to be willing to think outside the box. This week, as I was studying for this message, I came across a story that, to be honest with you, rocked my world. The story of a young couple in Southern California in their late 20s, very successful, involved in the church, loving Jesus, and the wife's best friend from high school needed a kidney transplant. And when they heard about it, they said, well, why don't we give her a kidney? I'm thinking, wow, that's weird. Your best friend from high school, 10 years past or longer, and you're going to give her a kidney. And they went on. The story says that they both went and got tested. The wife wasn't compatible, but the husband was a perfect match. And he donated a kidney to his wife's best friend from high school. Now, if you're like me, I'll do that for my wife. I'll do that for my children. There's a few of you in here I might even do that for. But her best friend from high school, probably not. You see, it challenged my thinking in terms of generous living. What I'm saying to you is when we determine to live generously, it exceeds just what we give in the offering. It affects our lives each and every day. You know, we want to give our time, our talent, our treasure, but to give from our torso, that's a whole other story, isn't it? That's a whole new definition of generous giving. But those who understand the principles of God's Word understand that what we do and how we live in terms of generosity goes out of this sanctuary with us, and it affects every aspect of our lives. It transcends into our workplace. It transcends into our neighborhood. It moves through our entire family and our social circles when we begin to live generously. And we poise ourselves, we position ourselves then to be the type of people that when someone has a need, they know who to go to. And I don't just mean when they need money, I mean when they need prayer. 
I mean when they need support. I mean when they need a shoulder to cry on. I mean when they need to know there's someone that can touch heaven in their behalf. They know who to go through, go to because you have chosen to live generously. Let me go back to 1 John from the message. You have chosen not to make the love of God disappear. Because you'll live with an open mind. You're open to the possibilities that are around, around you. Number two, if we're going to live generously, we need to live with an open heart. Exodus 35, 21 says, Then everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose spirit was willing, brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service and for the holy garments. Moses took an offering to build the tabernacle and to furnish the tabernacle. And notice the qualifications for those who gave. Those whose heart was stirred and whose spirit was willing. You see, in order for you and I to live generously, it has to touch us in our heart and in our spirit. We've got to see the need with our eye, through the mind, and then it's got to affect our spirit. It's got to move upon us in some way that we determine to do something about what's in front of us. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Paul said, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Those who live generously are open-hearted. They're open to what the Holy Spirit says to them. They're alert For people in need, people who are struggling, people who are hurting, people who are in pain, and they have a reservoir of the Spirit of God that they can flow through them to touch their hearts and their lives. We need to understand this principle. When we are living generously, we see the need. You know, years ago when I was in Bible school, I sold advertising for a local radio station. And my sales manager back then in 1982 told me, That if you're going to be successful in sales, you've got to find the need and then fill the need. He said, it's that simple. It doesn't matter how slick you are, how polished you are. If you'll find a need and then fill your need, you're going to be successful. Can I say to you, church, all you got to do is see the need through your mind and then through the reservoir of the Holy Ghost, begin filling that need in those around you to live generously. Well, somebody ought to shout amen then. I can do it myself if you want me to. It's really not a problem. You see, we need to live with an open heart. We understand the world is difficult. Life is challenging. Circumstances can be extremely hard. We understand that when we live generously. And we understand God has placed us here to be the revelation of the love of Jesus Christ to this culture and to this society. We have a responsibility to the cross to live generously. We have a responsibility to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to live generously. Paul said at this one in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, we should regard others more important than ourselves. Well, that concept doesn't fly in today's culture, does it? But have you ever noticed that often biblical teaching is contrary to culture? Have you figured that out? What the Word tells you and I to do and how we're to live is often in the face of culture. Paul says if we're to live generously, we have to understand that others are more important than ourselves. That's a key principle. We can be generous. Hear me, because I'm talking to the church. We can be generous with our giving and never be generous with our living. Come on, we can give 30 or 40% of our income to the church. 
and look like a prune when we're walking into the workplace. We can be closed off to the needs of those around us, unconcerned about anyone else because I'm giving generously. No, I'm not just challenging you to give generously. I'm challenging you to live generously. I went to Oklahoma City. There was a lady in the church who had a ministry for ladies who were in crisis and in need. And she was always bringing someone to see if we could help them. I hadn't been there but a few weeks, and she brought Linda into the office, and I happened to be the only pastor there that morning, so she came back into my office, and she started telling me Linda's story. Lived a tough life. Right now, she was living behind the strip mall a few blocks down the street, and whatever type of accommodation she could find, fortunately, it was August, so it was hot, and weather wasn't an issue. And so we began to help Linda, try to develop a relationship with Linda through this lady. And it wasn't probably but a month and a half, two months into this relationship when I got a call on a Tuesday night from Mary, who was helping Linda. And Mary said, Linda was raped. She just called me. She's at the hospital. So I went, met Mary there at the hospital. We prayed for Linda. We asked God to help her and to strengthen her. And through that simple act of kindness, she began to come to church. And when she began to come to church... We began to help her a little more. And we had some vouchers for groceries, so we would give Linda money through those vouchers to have groceries every day and any other necessities she might have. And I'll never forget the day when Mary walked in and she said, Pastor, I need you to talk to Linda because she's given the vouchers away. She's not using it for herself. She's using it for other folks that she knows that are homeless too. So I called her in and I said, Linda, do you understand we're helping you? This is for you. We want you to be blessed. We're giving this to you. We're not giving to you so you can give it away. And I'll never forget the look on her face. One of pure, absolute incredulity when she said, but can't I give something too? Can't I give something too? You see, at that moment, I learned a key lesson in ministry and in life. It's not enough to receive. We also have to give. There has to be that ability where we give into someone else's life. Because if we don't give, then we are belittled. We are humiliated because all we do is receive and take. I come over time to think of Linda's our pet project. We were helping her, but in fact, she taught me a lesson that I've never forgotten to that day. When you give, you also better be, when you receive, you also be better to give. As it flows in, it needs to flow out as well. We need to understand that God has positioned us as believers to receive from Him. But we then have a responsibility, as Linda taught me, to give as well. Can I challenge you to ask yourself that question, but can't I give as well? Can't I give as well? Isn't there something that I can do that will benefit someone and build the kingdom of God? Number three, if we're going to live generously, we need to live with an open hand. Proverbs 11, 25, 24 and 25. Let's read it one more time. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. That's the principle we need to understand. 
If we are to live generously, it's to be that reservoir through which the blessings of God flow so that we don't just contain them, but we pass them right on through as well to those around us. You can read it in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 and 38, where Jesus said, Give your life away. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begats generosity. I love that passage. He is so clear and straightforward. Give your life away. Give your life away and you'll find it given back. But not merely given back. Given back with what? Read it one more time. Bonus and blessing. Oh, come on, church. This is a scriptural principle we need to understand. If we live generously, we live with an open mind. We live with an open heart. And we live with an open hand. We allow God to flow through us. You see, Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 9 that what we sow, we can expect to reap. But if you don't sow, don't expect to reap. See, that's a key principle. If you don't put something out there, don't expect to get something back. If you're not following the principles of God for your life every day, don't expect the blessing of God. Ooh, that's kind of harsh, preacher. Sorry, but it's true. It's what the Word teaches us and tells us. We need to understand from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, these words. I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's a scriptural principle. The more you sow, the more that's going to come back to you. It's a principle of agriculture. Growing up on a wheat farm, we knew how much wheat we had to plant every fall per acre in order to get the harvest we desire. And if you put a half a bushel of wheat per acre in the ground, you weren't going to get a 30 bushel per acre harvest. There was a specific measurement you had to follow in order to get the harvest you desired. Can I say, please folks, hear me. I'm not talking about giving. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the way we live our lives. If you want the blessing and the bounty of God, if you want to live in the favor of God, if you want to be in the place where you can call upon the name of the Lord and knows that he hears and knows that he answers, then you need to live generously. You need to sow grace and favor if you need grace and favor. You need to sow mercy if you need mercy. You need to sow kindness if you need kindness. You need to understand that what we sow, we're going to reap as well. And if you're an old stingy skin flint that's always judging and criticizing and condemning, then don't be surprised at your harvest. See, you can't live that way and then pray for crop failure. It just doesn't work. We need to understand what we sow, we will also reap. And the more generously we sow, the more generous our harvest, according to the Apostle Paul. You can read it in verses 8 through 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul says, And God, how do we know I'm going to get a generous harvest? Paul tells us, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. I like it from the message. Can I read it to you from the message? This is the way he says it. God can pour blessings in astonishing ways. I like that. Don't you like it when God just surprises you? 
when you don't know where it's coming from or how it's going to happen. And from astonishing ways, God meets your need. Pours his blessing out upon you. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. He's talking about the way God sows into your life. He throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. Oh, come on, folks. You've heard it many, many times, but you will never out giving. You will never out doing. God is gracious. God is generous. God is kind. God is compassionate. And it doesn't matter what you need. He's going to surprise you in astounding ways with his blessings and his goodness upon your life. The resources of those who choose to live generously, all of them. From our time, our talent, our treasure, maybe even our torsos, are ready to be given whenever the need arises. That's a beautiful thing about it. Years ago, I had a man who moved from Russia to the United States. He had lived under communist rule. And he said, in communism, we were taught that everything belonged to the state, and then the government would provide for us. When I came to America, I was taught capitalism. And was taught that everything belongs to the individual and we provide for ourselves. He said, but when I came into the church and I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he said, I learned in that moment of time the best news I've ever heard. And that is that God is the owner of everything and he provides my every need. Oh, come on, church. You need to understand. The answer isn't in Washington or in Tallahassee at the State House. The answer is from the throne of heaven when we choose to believe our God is able. Tom, would you and the musicians return? See, when we learn to be generous in our living, not just in our giving, but in our living, then we're astonished by what God does. We're astonished by His greatness to you and me. And people who live generously begin to see and know and understand they have the power to respond. You see, I don't have to worry about someone who has a need because it's not upon me to meet that need. It's on the Father to meet that need. And the Father has a responsibility to flow those resources through my life so the need can be met. Oh, come on, church, that liberates you. It allows you to free yourself from the responsibility of being everything to everybody. If you understand God owns it all and He's responsible for meeting all the needs. Doesn't matter if it's a friend or a stranger. When we live generously, God shows up. When we live generously, the love of God does not disappear from our lives. You see, the principles of generous living really are easy to understand. But they can be excruciatingly difficult to live and apply. It requires that you and I have a radical change in our world focus. A radical change in our self-focus. It requires that we align our thinking and our theology with the Word of God rather than with what we think is best for us. I shared the scripture with you a few moments ago, but let me say it one more time. Philippians 2.3, Paul said, we should learn to regard one another as more important than ourselves. For in that philosophy, 
In that way of living, we truly begin to live generously towards those around us. And if we can wholly embrace this radical change in our thinking and in our worldview, if we can really believe someone else is more important than me, then we're going to be completely transformed. And we're going to be transformed into people who are generous in our living. People who are filled with grace and with mercy. People who are looking for opportunities for God to show out in our lives. People who don't cause the love of God to disappear, but cause the love of God to be reflected. So I want to challenge you that you begin praying, God, teach me to live generously. It's not just about my tithe and my offering. That's really the baseline. But it's about how I respond with my family, with my friends, and with my co-workers, and with the guy that's out here on the street. It's about how I respond to those with need. God, would you break my heart and teach me to live generously? Teach me to invest in someone else so that I can live as you called me to live. See, there's two kinds of hands. One hand is open to receive. One hand is open to give. And at some point in your life, our life, pardon me, every one of us will be on the receiving end. Every one of us. We all receive from the Father, but many times we receive from one another as well. Every one of us will be on the receiving end. But can I remind you, Linda said, can't I give something too? It's not enough just to receive. You also have to have an open hand to give. To let it flow through. To sow into the life of someone else. To let God prove to you His great power. His great ability. Jim Rohn said, It's only by giving that you're able to receive more than you already have. Will you bear with me while I read it one more time? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Stand to your feet with me this morning, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. I want to ask you a personal question today. Maybe you've come into this service and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I talk about all that we've been given through the cross and you don't understand because you've never received that gift from God. If you were to die today, you would find your eternity in hell rather than in heaven. And you recognize, because the Holy Spirit is faithful to convict and convince, you recognize this morning that you need Jesus in your life. You need to take advantage of the great gift that God has provided for all mankind, to all who call on the name of the Lord. So right now this morning, as you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking around, this is a moment between you and God. You say, God... I know today because you've revealed to me that I need Jesus as my Savior. I need to receive the great gift that he's given to all mankind. I want to become your child. I want to have my sins forgiven and my life changed. That's you. 
right where you stand this morning, would you raise your hand to heaven and say, Father, that's me. I want to receive that great gift. Yes, yes, others. Across this room this morning, yes, others. You want to receive the great gift that God has given to you through the cross of Jesus Christ. As I wait another moment, others, just slip your hand up. You're raising it to God. You're saying, I want to receive that gift today from you. Others, as I wait just a moment. Those of you who raised your hand, there was someone in every section, lift your hand and look directly at me. If you raised your hand, look directly at me. There's no one else looking around, just you who raised your hand. The Bible tells us that when we confess him before men, he confesses us before the Father. So I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and a step of confession and step out from where you're standing and come and meet me right here. I'm going to pray with you. God's going to hear you. Come on, right now. You raise your hand. Don't wait for somebody else. You come this morning. Come on. That's it. You're not alone. Others are responding. You come today and we're going to pray for you and God's going to do a great thing in your your heart and in your life this morning. Yvonne, come and join me, please. Others, come on, you raise your hand, you come this morning. Let's let God do a great thing in your heart and in your life. Bow your heads, let's pray this prayer together across this room. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive my sins. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. Come into my life today. Make me your child. Cleanse me and forgive me, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. If you prayed that prayer in faith, God has done that very thing in your life today. And before you leave this room, tell somebody what God has done for you. Now, my second question this morning, there's no heads bowed and there's no eyes closed. We're all looking up. I'm going to live generously. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I'm going to live generously. If you will agree to do that and to make that your pledge, will you raise that right hand towards heaven? I'm going to live generously. I'm going to invest in others. I'm going to let God use me. And God uses me. He changes the culture around me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for the empowerment of the Spirit of God to fall in this room. God, take us to the place where we determine to follow your word, where we determine to live generously every day in every aspect of our lives. Lord, I pray that you remove that miserly spirit, remove that hoarding spirit, remove that grinch spirit from our lives and bless us with generosity. Fill us with grace. Fill us with mercy and let that be displayed to those around us. I pray, Lord, for a church that lives generously today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask it, and in his name I pray. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church, located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com. 